This morning, turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter number four. For GU, we're going to be planning on meeting here at three o'clock in the, in the afternoon on Thursday in the parking lot. If you have more questions, I am available and happy to answer any questions you may have about that. We are really excited about it for our youth uh, that are that have, uh, able to go. And uh, so just, uh, it's going to be a great time out there. I'm so pumped about it. It's going to be a good one. Great. But this, this morning, in John chapter four, I'm going to be reading verses four through verse 13. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. You ever have some people you just don't associate with? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you, to, you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. That's a promise. But whoever drinks the waters I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for your presence. It's already moving among us. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the word of life. I ask you to have your way in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. This morning, we're going to continue the greater topic on greater awareness. Last week, we talked about greater expectation. Pastors started this thing off with greater faith before. So uh, we're going to talk about greater awareness looking into this year of 2017. Jesus was on a mission, as it were, of his father. And here he is, yet moving again. He was moving away from some religious Pharisees that kind of had it out for Jesus. They were always looking for an angle to get at him or to try to catch him in something. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've been around people like that, and it's really not very, uh, it's not very um, encouraging, or it's not very, that's not the right word, but it's, it's not very motivating to continue in that area. So Jesus decided, instead of trying to sit and banter with a bunch of Pharisees and them uh, going back and forth, he had other plans. He had to stay on mission, so he continues forward. And on his way to Galilee, he said, the Scripture says that he, he had a compelling need, it doesn't say that, but it's implied, to go to Samaria, uh, or through Samaria. Matter of fact, the exact words is he had to come to Samaria. And one of the key words that, that is in there, that says scriptures there, is when it talks about him coming to a particular town called Sychar near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, I don't believe that the writers of the Gospels put unnecessary details in the Gospels. They had a lot to tell and communicate in a very concise package. So I doubt that they thought, you know, let's just, you know, you know, that whole Jacob thing. This is not an insider thing. This is something to tip us off about something that's happening right underneath our nose that if we don't pay attention to it can literally travel underneath 
our, our, our eye of line, line of sight and not really appreciate and see what's taking place. Jesus had stopped in this town of Sychar. Now it is established, and many people know, those who've been students of the Bible know that Samaritans were not really well liked by Jewish people. Well, the favor was returned by Samaritans. They didn't like Jewish people either. And a lot of the reason was, is not because Samaritans, super immoral, wicked people, and Jews were this moral law and code that is the law and the Ten Commandments, but rather because the Samaritans were actually very close in belief to the Jews, and so much so that there was little, little differences in their belief systems that separated them, and that's why they were, rival, they were rivaling at each other. Well, the Samaritans were Israelites at one time in ancient Israel, but the Assyrian king had attacked them, and under God's divine edict and judgment, had allowed Assyria to take northern Israel into captivity in order to chastise them for their absolute chaotic and unbelievable, not just idolatry, but we're talking sacrificing children. We're talking um, just unbelievable evil that had got into a nation that was supposed to be founded on God. So in that time that Assyrian king took them and separated the, the Israelites of the northern kingdom and took them into Assyria and he took other nations from Babylon and other countries and he mixed and mingled them into Samaria, the capital of northern Israel. And it was in that place where this confusion started entering in. And over time, the people came back, but there had already been some intermingling and different things. So there were some views about God that they had been taught from way back that they kind of tweaked a little bit and it was a little little slight tweak and it just kind of aimed to fit and create their own little thing. So there was this back and forth thing with, with the Jewish nation being Jude, uh, Judah and now the northern kingdom. And now I only say that I mention that because as we come to this scripture that I just read you about this being about Jacob's place, it became important because Samaria is believed to be the, the family or the, the sons of Ephraim and Manasseh, particularly Ephraim, that had settled um, in, resettled back in that time, and so it was kind of mixed and mingled uh, among those two tribes. But nevertheless, they had an inheritance. You see, as Jesus came by unto Sychar, and he, he, uh, not, and, he, and he was just sitting there next to a well, and he was tired, something began to take place. As he was waiting there for this woman, waiting, this woman starts approaching him, right? Coming out of the way, coming toward him. And as she's coming toward him, then, um, you know, he just addresses her first and starts speaking to her first. And what is so cool about this is being in this location, not far from where this well is located, is where the bones of Joseph was buried. So why is this important? Because with the blessing on Joseph by his father, Jacob, was that Joseph would be a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. Jesus would say later in the book of John, he was the vine. And oh, he told his disciples at one point to do not go into Samaria to preach, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What he was really, what he was doing here was, is he was letting the vine creep over the wall. He was letting the vine grow over the wall as God had told Joseph. And Joseph's bones, the silent witness in the grave, not physically, but symbolically, laying in the ground somewhere near this scene, is the fact that the promise to him by his father, Jacob, is coming to pass in the, in the God-man, Jesus Christ, who is here in the presence of this woman who has no idea who this guy is. So as she approaches him, and we see number one, as you can see on your screen, is the first thing in this area is we see is God had a determined purpose to reach out to all people and to all needs. 
God had a determined purpose. Jesus is the vine not meant to grow on one side of the wall in Judeo, Judeo and to annex that to Judeo-Christianity. But he is, all, he is the vine that was meant to grow over the wall and to go unto all nations, just like that wild and crazy ivy that goes wild if you don't have control. It can, go, it can just run amok and go when it's watered. It, it, it's a vine that grows over. And Joseph also being a type of Christ in the Old Testament, we see this link happening here. So this determined purpose of God is taking place right in the middle of something. Now, can I say this? Man, just as an encouragement to you this morning, you may feel like nothing is happening, and you may feel like your life is in an absolute here-we-go-again situation, but I want to tell you, there is a determined purpose happening in your life you, may, you and I cannot always understand. The presence of God and the things that God places, the people that God places in your life are for unique purposes that he has determined for a particular time. I'm not saying that God meant for you to mess up so that he could do this or that. I don't pretend to understand the width and breadth and depth and, and, uh, and riches of God's wisdom, but I will say this. I'm amazed at how he can turn the most hopeless car wreck into an unbelievable miracle and testimony and being a tool and vessel for his glory. It's unbelievable. So he's here, and he moves now from uh, uh, this. He says to this woman, hey, will you give me a drink? He asks, will you give me a drink of, of water, right? And she looks at him, and she says, her first response is, uh, hello, alert. Don't know if you know, but you're not supposed to be talking to me, and I'm not supposed to be talking to you. So just stay there and do this. Now, I'm not saying she was like that. I'm just having a little fun this morning. But... The second area of things that we had to have an awareness of this morning is not only the determined purpose of God, but our dismissive prejudices. Okay, our dismissive prejudices. Jesus was a Jew. Now, he was God, but in his physical body, he was born a pure Jew in the nation of Israel. So when she's looking at him, she has a prejudice against Jesus. Have you ever had something in your life that people held against you? A prejudice that kind of just kept your relationships platonic. Kept them very surface. Kept them very, how's it going? And it's the same conversation every time. It's about the kids or it's about school or it's about how this is going or that's going. And it gets no further because there's this certain thing. You know, I know about you. All the time you're thinking, I know about you. You're not getting close to me. Blah, blah, blah. We have this dismissive, dismissive prejudice about it. But you see, this woman had a reason for her prejudice. I'm not saying it justified it. I'm saying she had a reason for it. Number one, she had an orientation of her culture. I had already mentioned that to you. She had been raised up in this to really think that these Jewish people really don't care about us. And, you know, we don't care about them. They think they're all right all the time. and got all the answers. And now we can't ever talk to them because every time we do, they've got an answer for everything. And you know what? That's okay because we believe we're right. And they would live by what they believed was right. So they had an orientation of culture. They had this history in them. They had an orientation of experience about them, about, uh, of raising up in life and living as a Samaritan. Can you imagine everywhere she went? I, I'm not saying it was like, leper, like lepers were in that day, but there was a stigma. There was an attached identity stigma attached to Samaritans. So, I mean, it's almost like, eh. You know, that's your story. That's the way you feel about it. You ever get to the point where you're, you're done debating, it's like, uh, whatever, you know? So, she had this stigma, this orientation of knowledge. She had an orientation of believing about things. So in her mind, this man had nothing to say to her that she either hasn't heard or wasn't feeling up to debating with him about. Okay? So she was dealing with dismissive prejudices. 
You know, be careful because God sometimes will send vessels into your life to minister, speak life, and ministry that you did not see coming. And when our prejudices block us off from life, that's when things begin to create uh, issues in our life. When we begin to the point that we create these dismissive prejudices, I'm not talking about black and white. It can be that. Amen? People got to get over their, their issues or whatever that is. But it can be prejudice of class or of monetary gain. They're not in our class or they're not in our league or they're not in our circle or they're not of this or they're not of that. And yet somehow while we need to use wisdom, at the same time we can become dismissive about how God's going to work and we can miss out. I read the story years ago in a chicken soup for the soul and it was like, whoa. But it was a story of this dad. He was a Christian man, and, and he was trying to raise his son up to love God and fear God. And, and uh, his son his, wanted a car for his graduation gift, so they took him out. He took him out, found the car. It was a Mustang. And, uh, man, it was all that he thought, man, this is it. This is going to be an amazing thing. I'm going to go off to school, and this is going to be great. And, and uh, so he was all excited. He did all this effort in locating and choosing the vehicle. And um, so on his graduation day, He's all excited, thinking, man, I'm going to get the keys to this Mustang. It's going to be awesome. And uh, he goes to his dad, and he opens up a gift. He thought, this is going to probably be wrapped up. The keys are in here, and it's a Bible. And it hit him so wrong that he actually tossed the Bible, and he said, are you kidding me? After everything that we did all this time that we spent looking for this, you knew what I wanted. I told you. We looked. We done. And he was so offended not because he hated the Bible, but he thought, it, he thought, wow, this is supposed to be like, here, son, here's a Bible for your graduation. He was so irritated, he threw the Bible, he just kind of chucked the Bible to the side, never picked that Bible up again, and went on his way. And it kind of was a little bit of a thing between him and his dad the rest of his life. He was just really irked at his dad about that, something he never quite just got over. And when his dad had passed away, they called him up and they said, hey, you know, you know come on home, you know, dad's, uh, you, know, uh, you know, he's passed, and we want you to come on be with family. So he came back, and he was in his old bedroom, and, and he was looking around the house, and he started just kind of filtering, going through different stuff. And, and uh, he opened a drawer, and there was that Bible that his dad had offered him on his graduation day. And, you know, at that moment with his dad passed, he thought, you know, why not? And he opened that Bible up, and he noticed that there was a bookmark. When he opened it up, there was a check for the exact amount of that car on the inside of that Bible. But somehow, by what he saw, he had, he, even though it was a little slight variation of that prejudice, it, it, it was like looking at his dad saying, man, he misjudged him. And he said, look, thought the worst that his dad meant the worst for him, or not the worst, but kind of cheap, cheap, cheap shot at him there. But really, he had everything he was wanting all along, and he was wanting to tell him what you're looking for is in here. Now, when we look at that, that's a pretty like, wow, that's a, why did his dad ever tell him? I don't know, maybe... The response warranted the, I don't know. I really have no idea. But the point being is this this morning. We can let those prejudices stop us from the good things that God has for us. Next thing is divine appointments. She looks at him and Jesus says, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God. Now I love this. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she goes on to say, hey, you know, are you greater than our ancestors? Are you greater than this and greater than that? And, and she said, but you know what? She, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will be a spring. And then at that point, she says, you know what? I'm interested in that. I'm interested in something that is going to make 
a change in my life. Now, how did she got there? I have no idea. You know, I don't know how that it just clicked in her head as she was listening. I don't know. Some people think she was making fun of Jesus. Some people, she's like saying, oh, yeah, give me that water. There's some that scholars actually believe she was just kind of poking fun at Jesus. But there's some that, that believe that it wasn't necessarily that so much as is she was being very open to something possibility. And the idea that Jesus is talking with her and she's listening is a beginning. Can I say something? If sometimes we would just shut our mouths and start listening to what it is that God is saying, if we would learn how to be silent where God is working, we could hear a whole lot more. Maybe something would start clicking in our life. This divine appointment was happening right in front of her, and she realized there's something different about this guy than other people, so she continued in this dialogue. Divine appointments come at us when we least, aware, or when we least expect it, and they're so crucial because they don't always, there's not a guarantee they'll come back that way again. One time when I, my wife and I, we were district youth directors for 10 years in Southern California, and uh, I remember one day I went to work, and uh, I thought to myself, you know, man, I, usually when I went to the office, because I did actually have a lot of stuff to do because I was on the road all the time. And so I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, I got to do this, 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 and this. And all of a sudden the door opens and this guy comes in and he's got a bag and he's got a, he's got a shirt and he's got, you know, he's got khakis on. And I thought, oh, man, you know, I don't want to be rude to this guy, but this guy's coming to sell me something. I can just see it coming, you know. And he comes in and he's got a bag and he opens up and he starts showing these calendars off and he starts showing this thing off and that thing. I'm thinking, oh, well. I really don't got time for this, you know. I didn't tell him like that, but I just said, you know what? I said, hey, thanks for stopping in. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm really just too busy today. I said, you know, I'm not really interested in what you're, what you're selling, I don't think. I said, but, uh, you, know, you know, I wish you the best, you know, and off I went. And I went to my office to do the Lord's work. Because I'm on God's business, man. I'm on God's dime. I'm being paid to do God's work. I'm, I need to sit down at this desk and do God's work right now. And as I sit down and I got my computer uh, all fired up and I started thinking about ready to dive in what I was going to do, I can say this with confidence because of how it all turned out and because God's good. But uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, grab your checkbook and go out there and wave that man down and buy those calendars from him. And I want you to talk to him about me. And I was like, Lord, can I do it without buying the calendars? <laughs> Can I do it without buying the calendars? They're really not very good calendars. The mother-in-law can have the calendars, yes. But uh, so I, I thought to myself, you know, really, I really, I did. I thought, I really, I really don't want to buy these calendars. I didn't have any cash on me, but I really felt strongly impressed to do this. So I went out there, and I saw he was out there at the bus stop getting ready to get on the bus, and I, and I waved him down. He came up, and uh, he said, hey, how's it going? I said, hey, I want to buy uh, three of those calendars you got. He said, okay, and he pulled them out, and, uh, and I just write the check and hand it to him. I said, hey, I said, do you go to church anywhere? And, and uh, he says, no, he said, uh, this is, uh, and he read the name on the building, and I said, yes, yeah. this is just an office thing here. I said, but we, have you ever gone to church? He goes, oh, yeah, you know, I've been, been to church. He said, I used to be a Christian, and I said, oh, really? You used to be, and I go, really, what are you now? He said, I'm an agnostic, and I said, oh, really? I said, that's interesting. I said, how did you go from being a Christian who believes in God and believes in Christ, and all those things that, you know, I said that you learned, you know, asking what church you went to, I said, how'd you go from that to be an agnostic? I said, I'm, I'm interested to learn, how did that happen? And uh, we talked a little bit more, I said, what happened? He said, my baby died. I said, really? I said, I said how'd, how'd that happen? He said, she was out in the front 
lawn and a drive-by shooter came by and a stray bullet hit her and she died in my arms on the front lawn of my house. He said, I just can't understand why God would let something like this be. And so we sit there and I was praying under my breath, oh God, you know, help me, you know, have something to say. All it just came up out of me, and I just knew it would be the Lord because I didn't have time to think. I just said, hey, you know, I said, listen, man. I said, God sent me out here today to tell you that he didn't kill your baby. I said, evil men killed your baby. I said, God's heart was broken the day your baby died. And tears began to come up in his eyes. And, you know, we had kind of a, a moment there for a second where we were just standing there. And I said, can I pray for you? He said, yes. And I asked him after I prayed for him, I said, you know, I don't want to press you and I don't want to push my luck here today, but I said, would you be willing to accept Christ today? Would you be willing to make that right with God today? He's fighting back tears. He said, not today. I said, you know what? I want to tell you something. I understand. So I'm going to be praying for you. And I wish I could tell you he did in that moment. He didn't. But I knew that God had designed a divine appointment that day. You see, there are divine appointments that happen in your life every day. That person you don't got time to talk to. The person that's an inconvenience. The person that is not on your schedule. There are things, there are divine appointments that happen around us. And that if we're aware of those appointments, like this woman, suddenly something radically was getting to happen, getting ready to happen. Which brings me to my number four point, and that is this. We need a greater awareness of defining moments in our life. See, we go from divine appointments to defining moments. He told her in this moment, it looks like this. At this point, it's altar call time. I want the water. You know, come on, man. I'm going to drink the Jesus Kool-Aid. Come on. You know, let's just, let's get it going. Amen. But Jesus isn't Kool-Aid. Amen. He's living water. So she's ready to dump in and go after it and go for it. And he says, he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, I love these words. This is so humorous to me. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. This is what's funny. What you said is quite true. <laughs> you got to love it, man. I mean, it's, it's just awesome. You just kind of little... Jab and let me wipe your nose. <laughs> you know, Jesus wasn't attempting to be harsh or to push her out once he brought her in. But he knew before true transformation and change could happen, there was going to have to be a defining moment. The willingness to engage with the truth is critical on our faith journey. It's critical on our faith journey. When we face the things in our life that God sees in our life that is keeping us from getting to living water. Okay? He's not saying clean your life up before you come to me. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is just simply saying there's some things in your life that have caused you pain. And I love what I read what one commentator said. He says, we don't know what happened to these husbands. We don't know if some of them died. We don't know if they were all divorces. We don't know if it was tragedy upon tragedy and she just gave up on marriage because she just had had such tragedy in life. We really don't know what happened. We just know we have a number. A number doesn't tell us everything. And so Jesus wants to engage the very difficult things in our life because in order for us to experience that living water, we have to let him come in close. Amen? 
The willingness to endure with the truth is transformative on our journey. I can't tell you how many times it's so sad in my heart when I see people that have so much potential. They have such, they have a real genuine love for God, but when it comes to having correction, and I'm not talking people putting their nose in your business, I'm talking where God's dealing with them, they just pull a line in the sand and say, that's far enough. It's really sad to see that and come in that part because we all, it doesn't mean that you can never cross over that line. It's just when we begin to dig into those moments, those are defining moments for us, for where we're going to be and what we're going to do, man. It's really, really vital to us. Next point, defeating excuses. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you were a prophet. No duh, right? <laughs> Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now see, she backed up for a second. This is like a dance. Two steps forward, step back. She said, you know what? You guys say this. My people say this. So what's the real truth? Well, what she was really doing is she had defeating excuses. Excuses that were attempting to defeat this interaction with her and Jesus. Excuses that were trying to come away. What is our excuse, even if we think we have a good one? Well, I wanted to read to you. I have a few of them here. I thought it was pretty fun. These are, where'd it go? Some excuses that people, off, that people do offer called excuses to add to your list, okay? My brother-in-law's friends, father's grandmother's sister's aunt's turtle died. Yes, and it was a tragic death. I simply cannot go into the details. I promised to help Ashley clean the toilet at the same time. She doesn't look like doing it alone. She gets nervous that she will fall in. Some kind of toilet phobia, a weird name I can't remember for some reason. <laughs> I do not usually go out on days that end with the letters day. Sorry, personal preference. All right. Unfortunately, there's a disturbance in the force, and that it's not with me right now. I never go anywhere without the force. Skywalker strongly advises against it. <laughs> and I'll stop with this one. I left my body in my other clothes, and those clothes are currently in the washer. <laughs> we all have different excuses that we like to use, and they become our defense mechanisms. But I thank God that God doesn't give up when, we are, when we're con when confronted with the odd, difficult circumstances or even the lame excuses we come up with. You see, the next thing that we need to become greatly aware of is our dealt time. Woman, Jesus said, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, Yet at a time, in verse 23, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You see, divine appointments deal with God's sovereign plans for us. Delt time is what we do with the time God has given us. If you're waiting around for divine appointment to catch you every time you're in a jam, man, that's going to be tough. Not because God doesn't want to show up, but God's going to want us to do some, make an action. The word says, draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to you. Ephesians 5, 15, 16, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We're called to redeem the time we get. Over in Psalms 90, it talks about a prayer goes up to God saying, you know, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Why? Because, man, one thing we, don't, we know is this. The, we can tell you an average age of an American or a human being, but we can never guarantee the time we have. So we've got to do what we can with the time given. 
Amen? Being aware of that helps us to not be wasteful in the things that God and opportunities God has given us in our life. The last one is this. Number seven is great, greater awareness of discerning worship. Now here's a bold step. Here is the deal. This is the closing moment. Jesus says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Some people would hear that and say, that's it, I'm out. You don't agree with me. But Jesus says, for salvation is from the Jews. How could Jesus say that and know that? Let me tell, well, let me tell you, let's just be clear in this. In, in Romans chapter three, in the gospels, in the apostles making and painstaking efforts to bring the prophets and their words into the gospels, showing that this is a fulfillment of what has been already spoken hundreds of years ago and advanced. This is the Christ. What is this aiming at? Jesus said, I didn't come to start a new religion. He's saying what you're talking about and what we've been talking about is what God has been working towards. Salvation is from this side because that's where it originated. But God is now fulfilling and bringing it into fruition. He's bringing it about. He's saying you can be a worshiper, but you gotta worship him in spirit and in truth. And on this crux on these on this duality right here not duality but on this dual tread is where people often have a blowout or miss out or something of the other because they want to be highly spiritual without being truthful as long as I'm a spiritual person as long as I take care of my spirituality as long as I do what I know feels right for me and and and, and I know it's going to be okay for me because as long as it feels right for me it's going to be okay but you've realized you've made very un stable criteria for what is going to be taking you into eternity because it feels right. Jesus says it will, it will feel right, but you know what? We have to come to terms with that truth as well. Spirit and truth. Those who are all in the truth, I tell you, there's nothing like somebody who has all the answers and they have no life about them. Amen? It's almost like what I like to call kind of like a, uh, the spirit truth is it's kind of like the autopsy of a worshiper. There's all the parts present and understood but not unified. Right in part but no fellowship, no knowledge of God. It's a one-way participation. As long as I'm spiritual, that's all that matters. Well, you're a spiritual being, so you got that part right. But there's, it's incomplete. Jesus is here for spirit and truth. You see, this describes the anatomy of a worshiper of God. All parts present and understood, yet living and functioning and fellowshipping with God in a two-way communication. God, see, if I make my own religion, I can communicate to God, however, and I have no, I have no way to measure because God's not talking back. But if God has already spoken, as in the book of Hebrews it says, through his son, now I have something to measure my faith against. Now I have something to measure my relationship with. It's not my feeling I'm measuring it against. It's not my hope I'm measuring it against. It's against the person who is the embodiment and fulfillment of what God has said from the beginning of time. Now there is stability and there is an anchor in our hope in Jesus Christ. So he's saying be a worshiper, be a spiritual worshiper. God's not saying, you know what, you're wrong, 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 and you're just spiritual. No, he's saying to add truth. I want you to have fire and heat. I want you to have heat and flame. I want you to have both. I want you to have the complete experience. And it's the only way that we come into that, that full-fledged relationship is through a discerning worship, spirit and truth. Amen? I want to I have more. I want to feel yes. We felt God this morning. There's even, that wasn't even a drop. That was, you know, that was a, a little you know, washcloth. You know, we need more of God. Amen? But when you talk about spirit, there's also truth. There's the balance of what's 
what God has said and God has ordained. But isn't it funny, in closing this morning, when we hear that, what we often hear is, is oh, what you're really saying is, is, yeah, God's great big, but God's, you know, limited, or, or God's this. No, because Jesus has already established this. He has established that he is the vine growing over a wall. You see, one time I remember I was out, I had to work some grounds one time at the high school, and uh, off and on I would go out, and there was this, this wall, and they told me one day, hey, man, go out there and cut down this stuff that's on the wall right there. I said, what wall? <laughs> and this, there was this overgrowth that just, and I thought it was just like one big, like, I don't know what you call it, just, just growing over just a mob of those bushes. It was so big. He said, no, there's a wall back there. I said, are you kidding me? He's like, no, there's a wall back there. So, man, I got the hedger, and I went out there, man. I was covered, I mean, in just, <laughs> I was just covered with this sap and, and all this stuff, and I was cutting it and cutting it back. And I remember getting to that wall, and I was thinking, wow, this is so crazy. Look at all this overgrowth that, that was allowed to happen. Well, take that and kind of apply that mildly to this, and that, or and more so to this, actually, is that when Jesus comes over, he overtakes and as he breaks into our lives, he can break over the walls of our heart and the walls of our life. But he calls to us to be discerning worshipers. Discerning worshipers doesn't mean somebody's going to come up and tell you you're doing it wrong. If you're doing it from your heart, if it's from your spirit, from your unique voice, Amen. If there are 10,000 people present, God hears 10,000 voices. That's why when we hear, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, God isn't looking for a boring, uniform, dead, just everybody says the same thing. No, what God hears is 10,000 holy, holy, holies. When God, when you say praise the Lord, God doesn't say, here, the church at New Life said praise the Lord at the same time. No, what he hears is however many there, he hears that many voices coming out and speaking praise and worship to God. Unique sacrifice, unique service, unique, greater awareness of the good deeds and the good things that God has for your life. Be aware of divine appointments this evening. Be a worshiper of him. Be aware of his presence this week. Be aware of where God is and how God is working among you. Last story and we're going to pray. I uh, was at work one time. We indeed were going through a hard time. It was right after we were expecting our first kid, matter of fact. And not, after I found out, uh, uh, you know, I was going to expect my, my first kid, I was real excited, you know. Uh, I was like, well, you know, great. And then I go to work and find out, hey, we're changing ownership. We're, we're cutting hours. You don't have seniority. And, you know, uh, whatever's going to be is going to be, you know. And so, man, I thought, oh, man. So I went to, to praying over this and just seeking God about it. And, and I, I was a little bit frustrated, but what I found out was this, is God began to supply needs for us. And I made more in a week than I would have made if I was working full-time at my job. I don't know how that happened. I just know God gave me odd jobs doing this and doing that. And that one week, I, I, I was, it was unbelievable. So we have, we have, that, we have the, the, you know, the, these different um, things going on with us. Well, in the middle of this, it was pretty trying at some times, and I was at work, and... Um, there was this guy that came in, and he said, man, he said, uh, he was, I knew, he said, I got a terrible, terrible headache. I said, oh, that's too bad, man. Take some aspirin, you know. <laughs> you know, take care of it, you know. And he was like, no. He goes, it's just been bothering me. I said, oh, I'm sorry about that. So I'm working back there. All I'm thinking is, is, okay, God, thank you for supplying a week for me, but we got nine months ahead of us, eight months ahead of us, and this is not looking really great right now. So I'm in receiving, and I'm, I'm working back there, and Guy comes back through again. He's coming in and out. And he says, man, my head hurts so bad. And uh, the Lord spoke to Mark and said, pray for him. 
Somebody come pray for me, Lord. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm just kidding. But I went and I prayed for him. And I, I didn't pray for him right then. Actually, he kept saying it, and it was so almost comedic. I wish I had some, a secret camera that could have recorded it because it, it, it became just hilarious to me because I was saying, I don't want to pray right now, not because I don't want to be compassionate, but, you know, he's going, and this is an odd place, God. And uh, so the Lord spoke to me again, said, pray for him. And he comes in, and I, and I said, Lord, if he says it one more time, I'll pray for him, okay? If he says it one more time, I will pray for the guy. And you know what? I thought, there's no way. This guy's complaining so bad, there's no way he's going to say that again. And sure enough, he says, oh, my gosh. My head hurts so bad. I was like, oh, my gosh. Really willing servant of the Lord, you know. And I said, you know, George, do you want me to pray for you? He just looked at me, <laughs> kind of funny. I said, listen, I'm a Christian, man. I said, I believe that prayer works. I said, do you want me to pray for you? He said, sure, go for it. <laughs> we reached out and just prayed for him, and there was no lightning, there was no thunder. And I just prayed, you know, a little simple prayer, Lord, you know, touch George. He's in pain. Take this headache away from him. Lord, let him heal him, be glorified in this moment. You know, whole thing, and... It was all done. He said, thank you. Appreciate that. And walked on. I said, what was the point of that? Where's the fireworks, God? Come on. Bam. You know? Come on. Where's it? I thought that was going to happen. Bam. Right there. You know, I wanted the exciting, you know, uh, moment. I remember I was in the back in the cooler, and I was thinking, oh, Lord, I feel so stupid, you know? That was probably just being hypersensitive and whatever, and I was just kind of beating myself up. And, uh, Anyway, so why, I don't know, praying for somebody. So anyway, next day I'm out there, and I hadn't heard anything. I was working, and the room cleared out, and I heard a voice. I kid you not, I heard, Psst, hey. I said, hey, what's going on? He said, you know that head thing? Yeah, he said. He looked around, and he goes, it's gone. <laughs> I said, that is awesome, man. And you know, I, I kinda, it was kind of a, I was like, Wow, that's really cool, you know? Lord, thank you. But you see, here's a woman that could have been so caught up in her past that she didn't, she couldn't see herself being used or the pressures that her world could have shrank down. It had shrunk down to her going to a well, getting water, living life, living with a man. But God had something better for her. And she leaves her water pot, goes, and she ends up helping other people. And she ends up bringing people from the community out saying, come see a man who told me whatever I had ever done. And they came out and they heard her and afterwards said, now we don't believe just because of you, we believe because we saw for ourselves." Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning.